Well, good morning, OneChurch.tv. How are you guys doing this morning? Fantastic. My name is Chris, and this is my wife, Kim, and uh, we're excited to be able to actually uh, start off this new series called Better Together, and it's all about marriages. And uh, before we get started, I just want to simply say this, that we don't have a perfect marriage, and I'm not the perfect husband, and my wife is not the perfect wife, uh, but we have, uh, we've lasted for the past 25 years, and uh, we're hoping for one more. <laughs> and uh, we're going to have a great time today just sharing with you about some of the stuff that we have learned over the past 25 years. Absolutely. We thought we would start out today by scaring you to death with some photos from the past. So hold on tight. Here we go. There's, oh God, it's already up there. Yeah. So um, you go ahead and tell them this one because you, this is uh, This is December the 6th, 1990. And the reason why I know is because it was this day, it was our very first date and I absolutely fell head over heels in love with my wife. We were at a progressive dinner. And, uh, and we, uh, anybody ever, ever been to progressive dinner? You know, it's like when you go to appetizer, you go to one house and then the entree, you go to another house and then dessert, you go to another house. And, uh, so the appetizer, you know, we were, you know, we we've been friends for the past couple of years and we're like, okay, great. It was fun. And then we went to the entree, uh, and we were at David and Paula Gullett's house and we're all sitting at around the table and like some people's glasses were like empty and she got up and started, Hey, can I get you some sweet tea? Can I get you? And not this to me, she's doing this to other people. And it was like, I was struck by lightning and I was like, Oh my gosh, you are so beautiful. And I want to marry you immediately, right? I didn't quite say that because that would have freaked her out. Um, but uh, it, I, it literally, it was just like a bolt of lightning. In fact, Kim, she says she even saw it exactly what happened. Because you're like, why are you drooling in your mouth? It's yeah, hanging open. It's so, like, adult, 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 you have rabies, but anyway. Like in the cartoons, so, you know, when they do that. Uh -huh, so, exactly yeah, it right. Was, so, it, was, it was a real moment. It was so, a moment. Yes, yes. So anyway, that's our, our first date. Uh, I, I, by the way, had no idea that was really considered a date, but hey, good. Uh, we'll just keep rolling along. All right, so let's go to the next one. Um, this is during college when we were both at Austin P. Chris was a trumpet major. I was a voice major there, and these were just our dating college days and a um, few less wrinkles in that uh, Mm -hmm. picture there. Yeah. I ain't worried about your wrinkles. So, <laughs> so anyway, so this was just a great time for us. We just enjoyed hanging out as you do when you're just dating somebody that you're just crazy about. And so um, let's see, the next one that we have is, oh yeah, this is uh, this is scary is what it another is. another scary one right here. So, um, so Chris, um, as a special date, decided that uh, he wanted to take me to the Dove Awards. I don't know if any of you ever heard of those, but basically the Christian Music Awards in Nashville. So we had to get all fancied up and wear formal wear and all this stuff and this is actually we went to a guy that i used to date to get him to take this picture who is this because it's on the front porch of david's house right there is where we are really we're at david you took me to your old flame to get our picture taken you said we need to I get a picture i don't even remember this you said that hey y'all just stay there seriously seriously and let let's me tell talk you what about else. your mustache I, uh, in my mustache we? like i only had peach Partial fuzz. Mustache. So what I did, I can't even make this up. I had peach fuzz, so I took mascara. Oh my gosh. Yeah, sure. And I am mascara in my mustache. And by the way, I had a lot of fuzz here, so I decided to uh, shave the middle of it. Yes. I look like reverse Hitler. Anyway. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Not anyway, pretty. let's keep rolling on. So um, sorry y'all had to see that. Uh, this is actually the Sunday that we got engaged. Um, we were at First Baptist Church, and Chris was teaching his Sunday school class. Was it 6th grade? 12th grade. 12th grade. Yep. 
And uh, he had asked me to come and sing in his class that morning, and I really didn't end up singing. He, he had it all planned out. And the next picture is um, when uh, he actually, like, here we were with the roses, and the, look at him. He's so proud of himself. He's like, yeah. I, re- I did really good. <laughs> there were 75 kids in this class, and I bought 75 roses for them to be able to give her, and then I had like three dozen of my own. I mean, I'm still paying for fl- flowers. So anyway, just, just, you know. So. They're all like, oh, you Merry Chris. Yeah. They're all handing out their roses. <laughs> anyway, that's good. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's go on. Uh, so the next one, oh, this, we were talking about this. What is this pose we're yeah, doing like, here? I don't know. What the, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, baby got back. Pull up to the bumper, baby. Yeah. Anyway, so we are not dancers, so that is not cool. Anyway, so this is our one of our engagement photos here and uh, on the Austin P campus there. So, And then came, finally, our wedding. Wedding, December 11th, 1993, and I think there's another shot of that as well. Um, a lot of people say that Chris looks like Vince Gill in this next one. What do y'all think about that? By the way, nobody ever says I look like Vince Gill anymore. <laughs> so Vince Gill were with thyroid problem. I don't know what it is, but anyway. So, but yeah. So, uh, yeah. So Tom I'm, has been kind to you. It's just good, baby. Anyway. Yeah, whatever. We're looking at the heart. Oh, <laughs> my God. Right? Move it on. Anyway, right, keep on going. Okay. So on this next one, Chris and I were talking about how this is as we were about to leave um, after our wedding reception. And, you know, we're saying goodbye before we run out. And they throw the bird seed and all of that. And just how we wish we would have known then what we know now. That's true. You know, we were in that moment of like, woohoo, you know, we've, we've done the wedding and it's been so exciting and now we actually get to go be married. We knew nothing. We had no idea what it was going to entail. We had no money, no money whatsoever. I mean, it was, uh, we were broke yeah. and, uh, and it was just, we were just clueless yeah. and, and gosh, how I'd love to go back and tell myself 25 years ago, hey, this is what you need to be looking for and stuff like that. Yes, absolutely, exactly. So time passes, and I think the next one is Yeah, we get our first child. No, 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 it's at wedding. Yeah, yeah. This is when our friends start getting married. Exactly right. We're already looking different there, Yes, we we are. Yes, okay. That's a whole lot of white. That's Boss Hog right there. (laughs) My gosh. But you think you look good, because look at your face. You're doing that pose. Yeah, Yeah. I got that. I don't know what's going on there. So anyway, next picture. Moving on, people. Uh, Okay. So um, here, yes. I know. Right? I know. You're saying that because of me, and I, and I thank it's, you. It's Walt. Just give it up for Walt, right? Oh, he's our, so our oldest he's son. He's actually here in the front row. Is he really? He's What's up, Walt? Today. There he is right oh, there. Oh, so. good. And this is what, you know, we were living in Virginia at the time, and Chris is on church staff, and, and we're just like all up in the, oh, my gosh, not only are we learning about marriage and family, and we waited five years before we started a family, and then Walt just like blew our world up. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about kids in a minute. So, um, and then the next picture that we have is our family photo of us with all three of our boys. Uh, this was at the St. Louis Zoo, right? Yep, in Outside front of the, the snake pit. Outside the snake pit. So, a whole lot of pits. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> but this for me was just one of those times when, as we just all lined up, it just kind of hit me like, look how the years are passing. This picture is several years old, but it just... I could see progress, and um, when we got this picture back, I just fell in love with it because I just thought, we're making it. We are actually 
making it in this thing called life and marriage and parenting. And that's what we want to talk with you guys about today. Like I said, we're not the perfect couple. We're not the perfect parents. Uh, but we want to share with you some of the things that we have learned over the past 25 years of marriage. And we are going to share it in the whole idea of David Letterman's top 10 list. Y'all remember that? Woo! All of you guys from the 80s and 90s. So uh, straight City, to you uh, <laughs> from Sioux City, Iowa, we want to give you the 10 things we would tell our younger selves about marriage. All right. Number 10. The first thing I would go back and tell young Chris is that love is a decision, not an emotion. Love is a decision, not an emotion. And the reason why I, that's such a big deal is because one of the uh, best books I read on love, and I read this, get this, when I was a, uh, a senior in high school, I actually bought this book, and I read it, and it's called Love is a Decision. And the whole premise behind this book is so many times our culture says when you fall in love or when the feelings of love are there, then you act on them. But if you fall out of love, then you leave the relationship. And really, if we had a big idea today, it's going to be that, that love is a decision. It's an act of the will. Uh, it's not just an emotion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is known um, often as the love chapter in the Bible, there are some things that talks about love, and it talks about what love is and what love is not. So let's take a look at that this morning. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, notice that not, keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always helpful, and endures through every circumstance. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that's a pretty powerful mm -hmm. definition of what love is. And I think so often we see what love is not because we allow love to be based on emotion, right. not a decision. And we are influenced by our emotions. True love is a decision. If we were to count on our emotions, we're dreadfully behind because we can't trust our emotions. They can change as quickly as we can blink our eyes. And so we have to watch out for that. We have to stick together and stick to that decision through every season. Notice that love endures. That's right. Think about this. The way God loves you, it wasn't just an emotion. I mean, uh, God is, isn't thrilled with me all the time and with my actions, yet he still loves me and sent his son Jesus to die for me. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, keep our eyes on Jesus, the leader and our instructor. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew he, that he would have afterwards. Think about this. Jesus went to the cross not because of these ooey-gooey feelings of butterflies in his stomach, and it's like, oh, and it was an emotion. No, it was a very painful thing that he chose to do, yet he did it because he loved me, and he loved you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So think about that. Love is not just an emotion. Uh, love really is a decision. Uh, number nine is that your emotions will eventually catch up with your obedience. This is a big deal because, again, emotions are fickle. There have been a few seasons, uh, more than I would like to admit over our past 25 years, that uh, we just stayed together simply because we were being obedient. And I'd say Kim had to exercise 
her obedience more than I did because sometimes I can be a handful. I've, I've, I've shared this story with you before and I want to share it to you again. Uh, two months into our marriage, so this is uh, February, March of 94, uh, I'm at Dallas Seminary and I remember coming home after some of my classes and we had a 450 square foot apartment. It was crazy small. We had two rooms. We had a living room slash kitchen, all one room, and then we had a bathroom slash bedroom, all one room. In fact, you had to go through the bathroom to get to the bedroom. It kind of stank. Anyway, my point is, I remember walking uh, and opening up the door, and I'm in the kitchen living room, and I'm hearing crying. I'm like, what is happening? And we had really thin walls, so I'm thinking this must be our next-door neighbor because they used to fall like cats and dogs. Pop popcorn. Well, I mean, we had no cable, right? So, And we couldn't afford it if we did, so we would just sit there and eat popcorn and listen to them argue. It was so much fun. Like, that was a good one. Oh, that was yeah. a good one. We're not as jacked up as them. And then we would fight, and they would eat <laughs> they popcorn. And we're not as jacked up as them. Anyway, I remember showing up and, and hearing crying, and I'm thinking, is that here? Sat next door, and I remember walking through, uh, and, and as the closer I got to our bedroom, the louder it got. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's probably Kim. What have I done? And I'm thinking, hey, you've been here. What have I done wrong, right? I remember getting to the bedroom, and it was louder, and I couldn't find her. So I opened up the closet doors, and she was huddled down on the ground, and she was crying. And I'm like, oh. And I looked at Kim. I'm like, babe, what's wrong? And you said... I said, I just realized that God hates divorce, and I have to cohabit a dwelling with you for the rest of my life. Now, what a wise husband would have done was to be getting the floor and love her. I'm so sorry. What I chose to do was just close the closet doors, and I walked away, right? Because I'm like, what, what do you even do after that? There is no witty comeback, right? But the point is, guess what? Sometimes your emotions will eventually have to catch up with your obedience. Yes, and when you feel like leaving, when you feel like doing something irresponsible, when you feel like bailing out, we have to remember that God has called us to obedience first. It's no different than the things that we ask of our children. When we ask our children, I just need you to do what I've asked you to do because we know what's best in that situation. God is the same way with us. He knows what's best for us and our relationship with our spouse. And so there are times that we just have to fake it till we make it. We just have to do what God has called us to do and be obedient to what he says, and then the emotions will follow. And let me just simply intersect here. Sometimes the most courageous thing you can do is not to walk out the door, is not to leave. And you may hate each other while it's happening, but you don't leave. That's courageous. Absolutely. Number eight is don't make tomorrow's decisions based on today's emotions. And y'all, we're spending a lot of time with emotions because I think so often we just tend to let that be our guide. And we do that because honestly, we're selfish and we want what we want when we want it. There's a verse in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine, and listen to this closely. The human heart is most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So when we think about ourselves, what we have to think is, I can't trust my emotions. My emotions change constantly. And so if, I, if I'm in that moment and I'm feeling super emotional and I'm mad or I'm feeling rejected or I'm feeling betrayed and I'm like, I'm never going to whatever. 
I'm always going to whatever. That's not the best time for me to make that decision. That's right. Because three days from now or a week from now or a month from now, I'm probably going to regret the decision that I made in that moment. The heart can lead us to poor decisions when we are just strictly thinking of ourselves. Not only do we have to think about the way that we act, we have to think about the way that we react. Mm -hmm. So don't make tomorrow's decisions based on today's emotions. That's right. Number seven, uh, you probably married your opposite, so fight for each other, not with each other. Yes. Uh, this is a big one for us because, as Kim joked about it in the first service, we only have two things in common. Two. And what are those two things? Jesus and? We like music. That's it. That's it. I mean, I love movies. She's not a movie person, right? Nope. Okay, uh, toothpaste. All right. Uh -huh. Oops, sorry, guys. Uh, so, so now let's just take a little poll in the room here. Start at the bottom, flatten as you go up, correct? Yes, right. What do you say? I say you take the tube and you squeeze it because I'm a man. Y'all, don't be clapping for him. <laughs> okay, toilet paper. There's a very specific way that needs to be done, too. That should come under the roll. We, and, uh, no, it's, it should go over. See, here's the point. Sometimes, if you're not careful, we can make mountains out of molehills, can't we? We can fight... And almost come to fisticuffs. By the way, I what said fisticuffs. It's my word of the day toilet paper that I put over. Um, so, uh, but honestly, we can come to almost blows over idiotic, stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. So make sure things don't get blown out of proportion. Because here's the thing: when I when I first started, when I fell in love with you back in December 6, nineteen ninety, I mean, I I loved everything that she was because she was vastly different than I was. I was kind of a live wire, and she wasn't. And she was very put together, and I'm still not put together, right? And I just, but I loved everything there is about you. And uh, and if you're not careful over time, those things that attracted you because she was different can be the very things that want to attack because opposites attract and attack, right. right? So just remember, don't fight with each other. Fight for each other and appreciate those differences that you have. Differences aren't bad. That's right. They're just different. They're just different. Absolutely. Yep. Except <laughs> when it comes to the toilet paper being over. That could go into the two-step rule. We talked about no, that. Let's, uh, yeah, we could. Uh, okay, y'all want to know what it is, don't you? Yes, you do. So the two-step rule is, you, have you ever noticed how like you like have a hamper or maybe the uh, shoe basket, and uh, you get about two steps away from it and kick your shoes off and just walk away? Y'all know that one? Yeah, so there's that one, too. I love you. <laughs> love you. All right, <laughs> number six, uh, keep dating and pursuing your spouse. This is probably one of my secrets, and I would just say, and I'm not because I've always done it, but, you know, think about it, guys. You did some really crazy dumb stuff to be able to get you to you know, get her attention, right? I mean, all kinds of weird stuff, whether that's putting mascara on your mustache or whatever that looked like. I would do anything and everything to be able to catch these blue eyes looking at me. And here's the thing. I, I did that 25 years ago. I got to do that yesterday because hear me, the deal is never done when it comes to marriage. Think about this, guys. You've done some crazy deals in your lifetime, right? The deal to be able to get your first job, you struck the deal, and you're like, I want that, and you just go out and got it. The, your first car, your, um, uh, your first house, you saw what you wanted, you went out, and you got it, and you came home, and it's a done deal. And don't even get me started when you finally caught the eye of that girl, 
And you're like, I will do anything and everything to be able to win her heart. And here's the thing, you did. And she says, I do, and it's done. But hear me, the deal is never done when it comes to the heart of a lady. Because what can be won can also be lost. So you have to let her know that she's just as important today as she was 25 years ago. And you do idiotic, stupid, dumb things to be able to catch her. <laughs> I'm so stupid. Whoa. Anyway, and, and the, best, <laughs> the best way that you can do that is just by dating her. To go out on a regular date. Now, here's what some of you are thinking. I can't date. I don't have enough money to date. And my, I, we got kids now. Who's going to watch your kids? Okay. You say you don't have enough money. You say you don't have time. Then don't take my advice. And what's going to happen is you're going to get a divorce. And eventually, you're going to date a new woman or a new man. And you're going to spend money with them. And you're going to spend time with them. Why not just save yourself a whole lot of heartache and just do it with your spouse now? Do the hard work now. Because what's one can also be lost, all right? I, I love this verse. A man's greatest treasure is his wife. She is a what? Gift from the Lord. What women need to feel is to be treasured, and that is our job, man. Get this. This is not my notes, but the, the only legitimate source of romance for our spouse is us. The only legitimate source of romance for my wife is what I have for her and vice versa. So dote on your spouse. Love them. That's huge. All right. Uh, next one. So uh, uh, do, do the date night thing. And this number, this number five, I was going to have Kim teach it, but she's like, no, I'm going to sound like a mean mom. So I don't mind doing it. And I'll just sound like a mean dad. Don't make the kids the center of your family. Now this is a big deal. And I'm pretty passionate about this. Because again, I have done ministry for the past 12 years here in Clarksville at onechurch.tv. I've seen so many military couples where the, the husband will go downrange and the wife is left behind having to be mom and dad and do all the laundry, do all the bills and take care of all the kids. And you know what? I can't imagine what you go through while that happens. But here's what I simply say. If you're not careful, hear me, ladies. If you put your children at the center of your marriage, Eventually, I'm afraid your marriage won't last. Your children were never designed to be the center of the relationship of your family. How many of y'all remember in the olden days when the kids weren't the center of the family? Anybody remember that? I do. I remember uh, we would go to the family get-togethers, and all the adults would eat. And once we were, the adults were done, they would call the, the kids in, and we would get to eat if there was any left over. You know what I'm talking about? Now, we don't do that today, right? Because our kids are just too precious, right? So we'll have them come and we'll get little Johnny come through. But hear me, the reason why our kids are never meant to be the center of our relationship is number one, first, eventually those kids are going to leave. And when they, <laughs> and when they leave, you can say amen again. All right. And when they leave again, what happens when they leave, if you're not careful, you will be looking across the table at a stranger, and your marriage is meant to last past your kids getting out of college and getting out of the house. Also, number two, though, putting your kids at the center of your home communicates to them that they're more important than they really are. 
and, and they know it. As Tim Elmore suggested, this approach produces kids with high arrogance and low self-esteem. And let me, I, I, this is on the screen behind me. Child-centered parenting produces self-centered children. And I've got to be honest with you. I, if you know some, how many of y'all know some self-centered kids? Well, guess what? Whose fault is that? It's us as parents. Because we've made them the center of everything. And you know what? We can never ever go on a date night because we're always doing stuff with the kids and dance and whatever and all that. And hear me. One of the things we told our kids, you got one extracurricular activity. And after that, you're done. Well, you're just letting, you know, you're limiting them. Yep, I am. Sure enough. Well, and as a, a family that has launched our oldest child, um, he no longer lives in our home, I just want to remind you that you don't hear from them much when they're gone. And that's not, that's not being ugly. It's just, I mean, Walt and I don't communicate every day. He's got a life. He's living the way that we've taught him to live. He's going after it. And so when we spend all of our time only focusing on our children and then they're gone and we never hear from them, and then it's like, oh, my gosh. So just remember, I mean, we're launching them. We love them. We pour into right. them. We teach them the truth of Scripture. And then we send them out to be even uh, representatives of our family and what we've talked about. And, and, and before you go to the next point, the, the biggest thing I want my kids to know, and I tell them this all the time, I love you. I, we have three boys, and they are fantastic. But I tell them, I love you, and I love you, and I love you. I love you all the same, but I love your mom more. Because what they need to know is that they have a dad who is absolutely head over heels in love with their mom. And again, I'm not trying to, you know, I just want you to know that's what I want them to know. Because when they get married, I want them to treat their spouse just like I treat, I've treated Kim. So. Absolutely. Number four is keep communicating. Don't stop talking and don't stop listening. You know, as we go through the years of marriage and, um, and our relationship goes through all of its changes, um, sometimes the conversation might sound like this at the end of the day. Husband comes in and wife says, hey, how was your day? Fine. What'd you do? Work. Who'd you work with? People. What'd y'all do? Meet. Where did you meet? Lunch. Where'd you go? Restaurant. What'd you talk about? Work. You know, it can just be like this frustrating cycle of these one answered, uh, the questions that get one answer. and They call that voicemail, don't they? They do. M-A-L-E. Exactly right. Because <laughs> right. honestly, guys, we speak with these little bullet points, right? So Yeah, exactly. And so really when guys are speaking, they're speaking to give information. You're giving a report. A report. And yep. what we are looking for as women is not a report. We are looking for rapport. That's right. And the difference between the two of them is that a report just seeks to give the information that's needed. A rapport wants to establish a relationship. It wants genuine communication and a personal connection. And so as you begin to have those interactions with one another, go beyond just the details of what's happened and get to the heart of the person. Mm. Men and women communicate for different reasons. Right. And so you've got to think about what is it that my wife is really asking me about? What is it that my husband really wants to hear? A wife doesn't want a report. She wants rapport. And that is all about connection. Mm. In Proverbs 15, 23, there's a verse that says, Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. And so just remember that as you seek to communicate. 
Uh, number three, uh, and this is a big one, and, and Kim, as we were kind of writing this together, she says, this really needs to be in there. And number three is simply this, to keep your relationship with God strong. Keep your relationship with God strong. One of the myths that goes around is simply this one, that to be really fulfilled in life, you must find the one. I remember in college, I got to find the one, got to find the one, right? I was always looking, is she the one? Is she the one? Uh, and it's a whole this idea that if I marry the right person, then everything will be all right, right? That is a myth and that is a lie. Because the one is never found in a person. As much as I love my wife, she cannot fill me up in everything that I need. The only, only person I know who can do that is Jesus Christ. And uh, one time this guy came to Jesus and says, hey, what is, of all the stuff found in the Bible, what is the most important? Mm -hmm. And Jesus replied to him, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. Notice that that pretty much encompasses everything. Our mind, where we think, our soul, where we feel, feel, and our heart. And so when we start in a relationship with a spouse that we know we're going to be with for many, many years, we have to be sure that God is in first place in our lives. We can sort out a whole lot of stuff with God before we ever have to bring it to our spouse. That's right. Because as we spend time with him, he changes our thoughts. He changes our attitudes. He changes our actions. Notice the second half of this verse says, the second is equally important that you love your neighbor as yourself, that you love your spouse as yourself. Love God is first. It's the first priority of our lives. And then we love our spouse second. Love God first, love spouse second. In fact, let's say that together. Love God is first, love your spouse is second. One more time. Love God first, love your spouse second. You know, it's this picture behind me. When you make God the center of your relationship and you move towards God as the husband moves towards God, as the wife moves towards God, they're getting closer to God, but they're also getting closer to who? Each other. Each other. So when you make God the priority in your life, you, when you make him the one, then you will actually get grow together. And for some of you who are dating, uh, let me just simply say this. You need to be looking for a spouse uh, as you're looking and looking for that, uh, who that person is, Mr. Wright, Mrs. Wright, however that. You need to find somebody whose God is their priority. Because if not, if his priority is over here and your priority is God, when you move closer to God and he's moving somewhere else, guess what? You're going to move farther apart. So make God the priority in both of your lives. Uh, the, two, the second one is a big deal to me, guys. And that's simply this, is make divorce never an option. If divorce is ever an option, you will take it because sometimes life stinks. And sometimes you don't love one another. It's so funny when Kim was in the bottom of the, you know, the thing. She says, I, I, I don't want, you know, divorce is never an option. Uh, I remember we joked about later, divorce is never an option, but murder is. So if I ever end up missing, they you will, will never know. They will never find you. They will, <laughs> they will never find you. And, and honestly, this whole idea that divorce uh, it, 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 we kind of believe a lie, and let me. The lie is going to be on the screen behind me, and that is this: getting divorced is better than being unhappy. That you know, I'm unhappy right now, and because I'm unhappy, then I'm going to get a divorce. Now, before I move forward, let me simply say this: I don't want to make light of your unhappiness because I don't know exactly where you're at in your relationship. I can tell you, we've had some dark times. 
But one of the things that we said is, you know what? We're going to stay. Even when I don't like you and even you don't like me, we're going to stay. And the whole idea of this idea that getting divorced is better than being unhappy really is a shapeshifter, and really, I believe it's false. I, I want to share with you uh, some statistics, not a, uh, an, a, and not a research done by a Christian, because you expect a Christian to say, you know, don't get divorced. But this is actually from a non-Christian group, and it simply says this. Unhappily married people who divorce we're no happier than unhappy people who stay married. And the reason why is many times there's an economic cost. Uh, a divorce is, a, it's, I mean, it, there's a huge hit. It's expensive. But also there's an emotional cost. Uh, psychologists say that divorce is the most painful and stressful experience in life outside the death of a child. So that this myth is that it's better divorce than to be unhappy in a lot of ways is a shapeshifter. There's a, uh, this study was called The Case for Marriage by Linda Waite and Maggie Gallagher, and they simply say this. Um, they did a study that showed the majority of unhappy marriages that don't end in divorce not only don't stay unhappy and they don't get worse, they actually get better. Have you heard this study? This is amazing. Among unhappily married people who stuck it out for five years 86% of people who rated their marriage as unhappy said that five years later, their marriage was happier. And among couples who rated their marriages as very unhappy, 77% reported their marriage to be very happy or quite happy five years later. The point is, whatever you're feeling now, you're not going to always feel that way. So if you're miserable now, stay miserable together. What's going to end up happening is you're going to kill somebody or you're going to work it out and it's going to get better. This quote, the chances that your marriage will get worse are low. The chances that your marriage will get better are overwhelming. And the last thing I simply want to say this, getting divorced because you've run out of love is like selling your car because it's run out of gas. You see, some of you, your, low, your, your uh, love tank is a little low right now. So don't sell the relationship. You wouldn't do that with your car. You would just what? You would fill up the car. So why don't you spend the time to fill up your spouse? It's a whole lot easier than going out and get a new one. Number one. Number one would be put your spouse's needs before your own. And this is simply the idea that we've talked about a lot today. We've talked a lot about emotion and love being a decision and this is the point where you just want to cherish and love and take care of your spouse the way that you would hope they would do that for you. You kind of want to see if you can outdo each other when it comes to um, acts of kindness and words of love and encouragement. Because honestly, at the end of the day, what does your spouse owe you? Yeah, nothing. What do you owe your spouse? Nothing. You've chosen to be in this relationship. And so a Christian marriage is, you're not, you're not in the place where you're going to be throwing Bible darts at each other like, well, the Bible says you should love me unconditionally. Shoo. The Bible says that you should submit. So this is about me putting Chris's needs before my needs and Chris putting his, my needs before his needs. Let me get that right. So um, in, in Philippians, there's this great verse, and it says in chapter 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should not only look to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. 
And that just tells me that when I get focused on me and my needs and what I want, I've got to take a step back. I've got to remember that God hasn't just placed me in a marriage by myself. He's put me in partnership for life with Chris. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Now, we're not going to get into the whole submit thing just yet, but I want you to notice what it says first. Submit to one another That's right. out of reverence for Christ. It begins with Christ. The relationship starts with him. When we are in line with what God tells us to do, it is much easier for us to be in line with one another. We submit to one another mutually. When I submit, I willfully bow down. I willfully lay down my rights and what I want for me so that I can serve someone else. And let me simply say this. Some of these guys, some guys get all, well, you need to submit to me and all this stuff. But let me simply say this. It says wise what? Submit. Submit your, so, by the way, if you're not a wife, that isn't for you. So, you don't need to be reading her email. You let her work on that. You work on loving your wives. Because I promise you, if you love your wife like Christ loved the church, you know what she's going to want to do? She'll want to submit. Now, what does it mean to submit? Submission, because it says submit to one another. Submission simply means I'm going to make your desires and your wishes and your dreams a priority over mine. That's all it means. So it's like we try to outserve one another. And I, I, how many of y'all have ever had a fight over trying to serve one another best? Nobody fights over stuff like that, right? But honestly, how would your relationship look like? Imagine if you actually had an argument. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go first. No, you go first. And you're like, ah! No, you, I mean, seriously. So I guess my encouragement, you just know this. You're not alone. I, one of the things that breaks my heart breaks my heart is when I hear that couples are struggling. And I'm telling you, I, I, we have been there. We have been there. Don't give up. Don't give up. And if you're, uh, if, you've, if you're somebody in here and you've had a divorce, know this. We're not throwing any stones at you. We love you. I can't imagine the pain that you've gone through. Wherever you're at now, don't give up. Don't give up. Your Heavenly Father never gives up on you. So don't give up on your spouse. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I'm just so grateful. Lord, I'm so grateful, Lord, for you loving me with a love that never lets me go. And Lord, so many times when I fail, Lord, you had... You have every right to get frustrated and angry and want to walk out, but Lord, you never do. Your word says so clearly that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would have marriages here in this church with the same kind of love and commitment level that you have towards us, that you will never leave us, that we will never forsake our spouse, we will never leave them, even when we don't feel like we love them, even when they're difficult to love, even when we're difficult to love. So God, I pray that your spirit right now would just be able to do some amazing things in the hearts and lives. And Lord, that hard hearts would be broken, that marriages would be restored. And it all begins with that simple, 
very difficult first step of saying, I'm sorry. And I love you. I'm grateful for you. God, I pray for, I pray for our families. I pray that our kids would be able to look at mom and dad and they would just smile and go, I, even though it's ugh, that they kiss, I'm so grateful for a dad and a mom that love each other. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.